Welcome to the Consummate Athlete Podcast, where we explore what it means to be a well-rounded, happy, goal-crushing athlete. Every week, myself, sports journalist Molly Herford, and cycling coach and kinesiologist Peter Glassford interview experts and chat through all of your training questions. We're excited to have you along for the ride. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. Peter, how's it going? It's going well. can complain. Still here this week. How about you? Well, still here is relative. We are on the way to Colorado, heading to altitude, heading towards Leadville. The trail marathon is coming up um, in, actually, I guess we'll still have an episode to go before I'm actually racing it, but we are heading to get some altitude uh, acclimatization in before. So the nerves are definitely starting to, to kick in a little bit. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm very excited. It's my it's my big race of the season. It's my only race of the season at the moment. So uh, I'm sort of looking forward to uh, both being out there and also sort of finishing and kind of pondering what's next. Uh, so yeah, lots of lots of good stuff. Cool. Um, and because we are on the road, I'm very happy about today's sponsor, uh, AG1 from Athletic Greens. Uh, they've been a sponsor of the show for over a year now. We've been using it for over a year now. And especially on travel weeks like this, where, you know, we're spending a lot of time in the van on the road. Um, it's, you know, a little hard to eat super, super clean or super, super well. Uh, so it's really nice to be able to shake up a bottle of athletic greens in the morning and just know that I'm getting, you know, the greens, the probiotics, the prebiotics, the vitamins and the minerals, the adaptogens, sort of all the good stuff to start the day off right and just make sure that I'm hydrating in the morning because I don't know about you, but when I travel, I'm definitely really bad at the full day hydration. So getting started with that, uh, you know, 16 ounces of water right off the bat is definitely a major plus. That's right. And we like the, so there's the NSF rating we really like for sport. Yes. That means no bad stuff. We like that, you know, we can believe in one product and you know not be out you know spending a lot of time and energy shopping into different things and nooks of the internet uh as well uh as a coach that's something i really like that you know there we pick the one and and then it has a lot of these things that we would be using you know the probiotics uh some of those adaptogen mushroom complexes are getting quite popular you're seeing a lot of the naturopaths recommending those uh, and then certainly the greens powder to get make sure we're getting the veggies, especially on the road during race season when maybe you're avoiding vegetables as well, uh, you know, for, for as you're getting close to races and, and everything else. Yeah. And I think all of it's funny. I've been seeing a lot more stuff coming out lately about the multivitamin. Like, I think there was a time recently where multivitamins weren't really super trendy anymore. But now there's actually a lot more research getting done that's saying like, no, like taking a multivitamin is actually a pretty positive thing. So sort of getting in everything that would be in a traditional multivitamin for sure and, and avoiding the big mega doses i think is what was was sort of not a great idea yeah exactly yeah. plus it turned out a lot of the multivitamins that you bought at like walmart and stuff didn't actually have uh, everything in them that they said they would which right. is why the nsf rating is actually super important because it means someone else has checked in and made sure that it actually has what it says it has uh, and we also just really like Athletic Greens is doing a lot of really great stuff. They're climate neutral certified. Uh, and for every purchase, they're actually donating to organizations like No Kid Hungry. Uh, in 2020, uh, Athletic Greens actually donated over 1.2 million meals to kids. And I mean, it's just nice to be able to work at the company where you like everything that the company is doing, uh, not just what they're putting out. So it sort of ticks all the boxes uh, for us with that. And uh, we also really like that uh, if you do sign up using our link, you get five free travel packs. So you're ready for your next race weekend. Uh, plus, you get a free one year supply of immune supporting vitamin D, which comes in little droplet form and tastes fantastic. And frankly, vitamin D is never a bad idea. <laughs> so to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you that one year supply of vitamin D, five free travel packs. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com backslash Molly H. Again, athleticgreens.com backslash Molly H. You can grab the link in the show notes and take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Okay, today's guest. I'm super, super excited. My friends over at Live Cycling uh, have been telling me for a while that we needed to talk to Mashid Hadi. Uh, so she is actually uh, just amazing young woman. Uh, she's an Iranian refugee now living in Canada, and her story is just just so inspiring. She's actually a very, 
badass bike packer. Uh, she kind of came to cycling uh, back when she was a kid in Iran. Um, obviously, that you know, a lot of lot of stuff happened there politically. She eventually fled um, to Turkey, where she was a refugee for a while. And now she's finally in Canada, settled in, and she's just doing all of these awesome bike packing trips all over the place. Uh, we talk a lot about bears and the situation around that with bike packing uh, because she is out in BC and kind of getting into the into the wilds of BC. Um, and it was just really interesting to talk to her about how she, you know, kind of came to bike packing, what it means to her now to be able to just, you know, throw her stuff in a couple packs and head out for a weekend or a week. Um, and also, you know, we've we've talked to a couple bike packers on here, but we really got into some of the nitty gritty like bike packing stuff. So we talk about her personal story and I think that's super powerful, but I also wanted to give her a platform to talk about bike packing itself because I think like there, she actually has like a lot of really great tips, whether it's talking about how to, you know, do the food on a budget, which I think is very important for a lot of us. Cause I don't know if you've looked at the price of those like bike packing or backpacking meals lately, but like, my God, who can afford that? Hmm. like it's more expensive than eating out at a restaurant yeah and i think the bike packing if not also into gravel is so you know everyone has little tips and little tricks they use for themselves that may or may not relate to what you're doing or how you like to do things but i think the more folks we talk to the the more of these tips and tricks we accumulate mm -hmm. yeah so i think yeah so many so many good little uh takeaways from this episode and just yeah so thankful for her for sharing her story so without further ado let's get into this conversation with Mashid hadi and definitely head to the show notes to grab the link to to follow her over on Instagram and check out all the stuff she's doing with Live Cycling. All right, enjoy. I'm Ashid uh, Hadi. So I, I'm from Iran. And uh, I um, came to Canada as a refugee, um, but um, I had to live in Turkey as a refugee for, for, for five years. And then, and then I came to Canada. Um, and um, I've been riding my bike... Um, basically like eight years ago since eight years ago um um and i just started getting back to the bike um uh, when i had money to <laughs> so i had to save money um you know it's not an ideal situation when you're a refugee so i had to like uh, learn how to uh save money and eat less you know uh, buy less stuff and uh, save money to, to buy a bike and uh, proper gear for um, bike packing. And um, since then, I'm like doing it. That's <laughs> awesome. So what uh, what made you go with the bike packing? I mean, what, what part of that was intriguing versus any other type of cycling? Yeah, so um, one thing that um, I always loved um, the idea of like getting out of the city and uh, going far away um, and make sure that I have like that, in, in, that, that space to reflect back and, um, you know, like be stay, like stay away from noise of the city. And um, so I can know myself better. Mm -hmm. um, and so bikepacking was providing this because um, I had to learn to be resilient um, different way that I was because um, living in Iran always like daily basis I had to learn to be resilient but then I wanted to experience different ways of like resiliency mm -hmm. um, and yeah. Uh, yeah it's it's interesting because I think there's this is kind of a weird off-topic thing but I was interviewing a guy last year who had won a like 130 mile running race actually out in BC and I was asking him about the win and he was like yeah it was hard but he's Ukrainian so he was saying you know my family is back in the Ukraine right now so you know for me to even say that this is like hard or it's like pushing my limits feels like a really like strange thing but you've experienced kind of both sides of that so I mean, is it a different kind of resilience? Like, how does the mindset work there? Yeah, so, so when you're, like, coming from a background of, um, you know, always fighting for your rights and um, 
always been told that you cannot do things because you're a female, right? And um, things are taken away from you. Um, then um, that sort of fighting sometimes is like a pressure, you know, mental pressure sometimes is a um, physical pressure. Sometimes even is like, you know, um, very, very honestly, it's a physical challenge uh, being women. Um, and, um, but then like bike packing was pushing the, like pushing only my physic and releasing the pressure. So it's kind of like, it for me, it's like, well, if I had to escape from Iran in such a hard time, in such a hard way, um, and learn how my, um, adrenaline rush could to help me to save my life like then uh, pushing my body pedaling it's kind of became become kind of um um uh, natural i think um mm -hmm. and um yeah i would imagine yeah. you almost would need some kind of outlet like that because you were so used to living in this this space of having all of these pressures so to not have somewhere to, to kind of let them pour out yeah yeah um it's interesting that you're mentioning that because um it's one thing that um i've been like sitting when especially since i came to canada and i had like this huge like platform of freedom and so i can have anything that i want to and i can write ev everywhere i want to you know um I, I almost felt like, is there something going wrong? Do I, am I doing something right? Um, something must be wrong right now. And then um, because I was like, I, I keep seeking that, um, you know, like daily, daily challenges, like mm -hmm. problem solving, um, how, how I can like push them up body and physic and mental uh, health just to to go forward and um it's um it's very um almost almost not possible for me not to 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 like feel of like easy like take taking something like easy you mm -hmm. know and go with it. um and bikepacking basically provides that for me because um, I have to, you know, just uh, um, be self-supported, um, learn how to problem the sol uh, um, solve the problem when actually uh, there's nobody around and it's only me. Um, and yeah, like I think that that's everything that I want in a, in, in a better, you know, like in joyful way than like mm -hmm. <laughs> a traumatic way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned uh, you got started riding eight years ago. How, how old were you then? And did you, did you grow up like riding at all? Or was that not a thing you got to do as a little kid? Like what's the background here? Okay, so here's the thing. So I, uh, when I was um, six years old, I got my first bike. It was red, I can remember. Um, and my dad um, was like teaching me in the backyard how to ride a ride bike. And, um, and I clearly remember the moment that uh, I was just like, you know, like keep, keep trying, keep trying to, 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 to um pedal and all of a sudden I could and like I opened the door and went away and um a few hours later I came back home <laughs> um but um yeah but I was six years old and then I had like that bike until like I was nine and then bike was taken away from me because it's not sociable so socially acceptable for women uh or female or like girls to 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 ride their bikes um at the time and um and then that was sorry was that like a cultural shift that happened when you were nine like or was that just you kind of aged out of being a kid who could ride a bike into a young girl who no longer could if that makes sense so so when 
um, so in Iran, when you turn as a girl, when you turn nine years old, uh, you have a ceremony. And that ceremony means that you are old enough and you have to wear a hijab, you have to, uh, you, you, you can even like, you know, you basically are mature and um, there's a, there's also a age of marriage at that time that changed right now from nine years old to 11 if I'm not wrong. Um, but at my time, it was nine years old. And so at that time, everything changes all of a sudden. Um, and you're expected to behave differently. Um, and I was like, my family um, um, was a little bit complicated. My, my dad was um, also affected by male dominance, a dominated, um, you know, society. And, um, at the same time, he was like, oh, I have to, like, make sure that she's safe. So safety means, like, taking the bike away and, you know, make sure that um, she is wearing properly and behaving properly in this society. Mm -hmm. And um, he took my bike away. And a few days after, actually, my uh, he bought a new bike for my brother. Um, and he was commuting to school um, with the bike, but um, um, but my brother um, sometimes would like say, tell me like, hey, hop on the bike and would drop me um, off to school. And it continued to be like that for, for 11 years, uh, until I was like 11 years old. And um, sometimes even I would um, go back from school and I would say, okay, like what is a secret way, the best secret way to just steal the bike and go ride around and come back without anyone knows what I did. Uh, <laughs> um, and so of course it's, I'm just saying it in a fun way, but um, sometimes it would stress would be like stressful because I would tell my brother, could you just not tell dad? Um, and I would be back before dad comes back from work. Um, so that was a way that it was like continuing that until like 11 years old. And then it all of a sudden vanished away because my brother now bought a motorcycle and there's no bike at home anymore. And so of course I cannot buy, uh, buy a bike. Um, and, um, since then, um, well, I mean, um, and then becoming teenager and, you know, um, shifting the gear from like, oh, being a, um, being a girl who does whatever people tell her to do to like, no, uh, it's not acceptable for me. I have to like learn how to fight my freedom and my rights and others actually. And, um, uh, and then, I started my advocacy at that time with some other uh, artists and um, people um, in like at school um, and sometimes even like uh, stealing janitor's um, bicycle because <laughs> the janitor was male and <laughs> just riding, riding around and coming back and being punished. Um, but yeah, so, and then ended up with like doing the advocacy like even more and becoming Christian and everything all together it was not a good package and so um our place was uh, basically raided by police and um I had to leave the leave, leave the country within a few hours and that changed everything um and when I came to Turkey um I got back to the bike so very brief history of where I started and where I ended up. Oh my gosh. Where do you think the courage to do all of that stuff comes from? Like, that's not just resiliency. That's just so much like, yeah, just, just courage is the only word I can think of. Um, you know, being not capable of doing like telling you that you're not capable of doing things um always push me toward i can 
and you cannot stop me. Um, um, there was um, there was a feeling of fear, but at the same time, the fear that pushed you toward um, fight, if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, so, and all, uh, also like. Um, part of my personality, I think like I, I, I took all the phrase from my mom, um, was that, um, I could like, I could not see, like, I could not make sense of like why my brother can't and why I cannot. Mm-hmm. So growing with, a, with, um, you know, a lot of like boys in our family and relatives, um, I, I, I think like that was the courage that I should, I should. Um, and I mean, there's so many things that you see at streets too, right? Like um, tragedy of like children being like, you know, slapped or girls being slapped or um, mothers and aunts and, you know, like, um that why did you do that um Mm -hmm. you can't so these like seeing all of this there's a kind of a it's like um um earthquake happening inside you but like you're not like you know yeah Mm -hmm. it feels like it feels like you're not human being if you're not able to do what you are deserved to do. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it seems like you were hitting into that on every level from, you know, the biking to to the art side of things. And I mean, you know, you leave Iran as a teenager, you're in Turkey in a refugee camp for five years. Now you're you're a radio technician with the CBC in Vancouver. <laughs> so how did how did that even come to be? Were you still stu- like, were you studying while you were in Turkey or how did this, how did this all coalesce so, and how you're here? <laughs> so um, let me just like uh, go back to you know, on what I studied. I studied uh, drama okay. um, um, and, um, um, and then fine art. So like, I was grew up also in a city that art was a big part of life um, at streets, even like, and then um, when I went to Turkey, um, I kind of like went to theater and said, like, I, I want to like act. Is there any way I can? And people were like, but you don't even know how to speak Turkish. How could you do that? And I was like, I have my body, you know? Um, and um and then um, I came to when, when I came to Canada. I went to school for television video production, and it was my first actually goal. When I was on airplane flying to Canada, I was like having the list of things that I could not do in my life, and right now I would have the opportunity. What are those? And I clearly listed them, um, um, and um, I just walked toward. It. So the first thing is just go to school. Uh, and um and then i had my internship at cbc um i applied for the job and turned it into internship and um i just got fired as casual um which is a big thing for me because um as a person who've been told that you are not able to do things um to basically cross all the things and the list that I did it, I did it, I did it, I did all of the things. <laughs> and I kept moving. Um because mm-hmm. at least it's long. So mm-hmm. yeah. And okay, getting back to this, getting the first bike <laughs> when you when you got to Canada, what was the first uh what was the first bike packing trip you did? Yeah. Uh, so my first bike packing was wild. <laughs> Um, I rode from um, Burnaby where I was uh, living at the time to Kelowna in KBR. Um, and um, it was in May. And because I was new in Canada, I really don't, didn't know that May is not 
uh, I mean, mountains still cold in this, uh, there is a snow and such. Um, the only thing that I did was like, okay, how do I deal with bears? If I see bear, what can I do? <laughs> very important um, question. <laughs> very important question. But, um, but um, yeah, so I basically kind of searched for a week that of what are the things that I can do? What are the things that I can't do? And then study the route and such. And I did it. And um, it was pretty wild. Uh, for the first time in Canada as a person who doesn't know the environment and landscape enough. But, um, and uh, my bike was 50 years old, of course. Uh, I took the bike out of the uh, friend garage and uh, changed the component. And I'm riding that 50 years old bike to like in KVR. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, passionate. You're passionate about doing things and nothing can stop you, right? Mm -hmm. um clearly people, people would do a lot of like training and um before they do bikepacking and one thing that i want to mention is that um training is very important part of like bikepacking and cycling anyways but um not having training would never stop me or not having a bike you know and never stopped me to do what i wanted to do which was bikepacking and um it was hard, but I kind of enjoyed it. Like it taught me different way of dealing with bikepacking. Like, um, uh, I mean, learn to do with what you have. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, I love that. I think so many people hear bikepacking and they think, oh, I can't do it before I get, you know, whether it's a new bike or, oh, I need these bags and I have to have this, this, and this special tent and this special sleeping bag and like all of this stuff before I could possibly uh, get out. And we're just like, I mean, you could just throw some stuff in a backpack and try it the first time and see how it goes. Definitely. There are lots of like crazy way to, um, to, to do bikepacking with like, you know, cheaper ways. Um, and make it possible um i know like i um like so having a good for example tent is very important but you can have a tarp if, if you're like of course like um in a summer you can have a tarp and you learn how to do like um tarping and um uh, it's a cheaper way to to make shelter right mm -hmm. you just have to like practice and learn about the gear that you're taking with, whether it's a high-end gear or low-end gear, right? Uh, you just have to learn and practice with it to make it safe. Mm -hmm. the, uh, the one thing that I found personally is uh, the first bikepacking thing I did, This is I was on a, a press trip and it was super embarrassing. They like, we had the bikes, they like put the, the racks on and everything. And I'm like, oh, I'm a super good cyclist. I've totally got this. We hit the first like tiny, tiny hill. And I like, I'm like, Pfft. I'm going to get up this and I stood up and started trying to climb like a normal bike instantly just completely wiped out. And I was like, Oh, I don't know how to bike pack. As it turns out, I was not prepared for this. <laughs> well, I, I remember times that I cried, you know, like I, I, I was like pushing the bike, like up the hill. Um, there was a washout. I had to unload take the bike and take the you know and then there's a bear coming out uh, on the other side and um it's just getting dark and i have to like go to to a set place to ten you know like that that was a time that i actually was like um what did i what wh wh why did i do that and um <laughs> and then like the morning after i was like whew well i did it right i did it and um and clearly it's like one part of like bikepacking, which again, like that's why I, I, it, it motivates me to do it because there's so many unexpected things happening, like storm, all of a sudden sky opens and like you, you're just, it's pouring and um, what now? <laughs> I, um, I had, um, 
I, I traveled in uh, Scotland and um, I did a lot of like bikepacking uh, around Scotland and Highland. And so, um, you know, like the, the sky always like opens and pours and closes five minutes after like again. Mm-hmm. And um, um, appeared that my back that I thought that waterproof is not. And because I had plastic bag, ta-da! <laughs> so I just like wrapped the um, the basically uh panniers and um uh it kind of like worked out so mm-hmm. it's cheap you know yeah yeah now is there any gear other than the tent that's like worth the the money spend is there any like ultra lightweight or ultra tiny gear that you well, you love now yeah yeah um if if there's like I think like if you you know like how much budget you have the best is just to go with ultralight um uh, gear um I do love to make sure that my sleeping bag is light and not bulky so I can fit it in um properly in a in waterproof bag or my uh, my saddle bag uh basically and um uh the other thing that I can think of is stove so they're like big stoves, smaller stoves, but um, based on like how many days you're traveling, um, you want to make sure that um, uh, you have um, cool um, ultralight stoves. Mm-hmm. Um, don't get like one of those big ones. <laughs> um, and um, um, Clothing, a waterproof um, clothing. Um, I, well, we are living in a, I think, like in in a country, Canada, that um, the weather can be very unexpected. Um, even in the summer, I would have one ultralight, um, um, r- rainproof, waterproof um, jacket with me, mm-hmm. um, just in case. Even like because if you're just like, let's say, like. Um, I don't know, like crossing the um, puddle or river, basically. And um, you want to make sure that you have like kind of a waterproof stuff to handle this situation. Mm-hmm. Um, um, yeah, no, it's funny. We we did a hike a couple years back in, in Canada here and the, we had had friends that had done the loop like the week before. Like we literally like crossed paths with them as they were coming out and we were going in they were in uh, like 35 degree heat. It was like boiling hot for them the whole time. We were a day in and it dropped and it was like five degrees. And luckily we had, you know, a little, t- like we'd all put like little puffy coats in our packs, but it was freezing. And we just like, and this was the middle of July. So I think you can never count on the weather to be really hot in Canada. <laughs> yeah. Exactly, exactly. I think that's very important that not to go heavy, but make sure that you have essentials ready. Mm-hmm. Um, because nature of bikepacking is that you never know which, if, even though that you're studying the routes, um, you never know where the road's taking you and what situation you're in. So it's important that um, you have the right gear. So let's say like... Um, you, you're you're traveling in um, in a route that you studied it well. Everything is fine, um, and all of a sudden, in the middle of the way, you see like that's closure, and then you have to detour, and that detour takes you to a gravel hard, um, um, you know, uh, road, and uh, well, your your tire are not pro- proper, or um, that that route takes you to the river and then you have to cross the river and such, or there's so many things that can happen right now. I'm just like trying to, to, to remember all the experience that, that I had. And, um, it's, it's important to, to also like learn from others experiences. I, um, I take advantage of social media, um, and I make sure that, um, I check on people's experiences when they go bikepacking and what goes wrong. Mm-hmm. Like the question right now for me is not what I can um, take with me um, right now. 
the first thing that I can think of is like, what can go wrong? So I list those. And based on that, I review my gear and um, um, basically my uh, route and um, plan. I love that. I love that. Um, bears, coming back to this. How many have you seen? Have you had to deal with them? Do you carry bear spray? Yeah. Um, luckily, I'm not a meat eater, so I don't carry meat with me. Uh, not smelly food. Um, I take mostly um, nuts and, um, you know, dried fruit and dried food and um, make sure that... Um, they're not smelly and I put them in a um, bear friendly container. Um, and um, bear spray, it's always, 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 bear ball is always, always um, for sure on the list. Um, but the only thing is like uh, encountering bear uh, on the trail does not necessarily means that um, they, they would want to attack you. It's just like, hey, you have to be prepared. Um, you have to make sure you understand the the animal's behavior. Um, um, they would most likely not to show up if you're not taking any smelly food with you. Um, or if you're not like... Um, if, if you follow the basically um, 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 no trace, uh, mm -hmm. you know, um, and um, I usually put the food in a bag and I have always like a um, light uh, rope with me. So I put everything in, in my bag, uh, in, in that plastic bag or like a dry bag that I have. And um, I even like, take i put my um toothpaste and such inside and i um put it away on the on the tree that's very um i guess like um that's the first thing that i learned here that you have to do it um to make sure that um, it, um you're safe mm -hmm. and if, bear, if you if you encounter the bear if, if they're coming towards you um just get away from their way like that I learned, well, I mean, some of the birds were like pretty uh, playful, like um, they were like running around, like on the other side of the river, they were like running. And I thought that, oh my God, they're just like, they're gonna like come toward me. They were just like playful. And mm -hmm. um, I just made sure that I'm not on their way um, and do the following things, be loud. I was just keep singing loud and enjoying. <laughs> um my um uh, horrible voice i have a very bad voice singing but uh, <laughs> um and um most of the time they just like you know went off the bush and uh they went away yeah i, I saw a lot of like birds um um or have been sing a lot of birds but um luckily um i never had trouble uh, I'm very cautious. Like I never like take my phone out when I see like birds um, or like any animals. I I I'm a very big like camera person. I, I love to take doc to to document everything. But when it comes to um, wildlife, I stay away from it. Um, uh, I respect them because mm -hmm. um, if you respect nature, they uh, and wildlife, they would respect you. Um, and never. I, Never I take selfie with them. No. <laughs> you see some um, horror stories about people that like do that and then get mauled by the bear. You're like, why were yeah. you trying to take the selfie that close? Just... <laughs> yeah. So um, these are important things. I that think very important things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When it comes to not getting eaten on your bikepacking trip, yes. <laughs> okay, you mentioned foods, uh, dry fruit, nuts. Uh, but you do bring a stove too. So what does like a day of eating look like for bikepacking? I know so many people are so curious about this. I'm always very curious about this because I eat a lot of food and it's like very stressful to me. The idea of even like backpacking, hiking, any of that stuff. I'm like, but how much food are we going to bring? Can we possibly bring enough? 
Mm -hmm. um, so the first thing that I do is I measure, um, I measure the route um, and how many days I'll be away from resident areas mm -hmm. um, and isolated, remote, remote, I guess that's the word. Um, so, um, and then based on that, I plan what I eat. Um, I'll, um, I'm a big um, uh, protein powder um, uh, person. I always like have that because it's, it's, it's light um, and it provides a lot of like vitamin and protein uh, that my body needs. Um, and um, um, I sometimes even like drink it instead of like water. Mm -hmm. uh, like I put it in my water to just make sure that I kind of uh, constantly drink it. Um, uh, and um, we are lucky that um, Canada, like most of the roads in Canada, they're water um uh, provided by nature but just make sure that you have like filtered um bottle or like there are drops that I, I have like those drops that uh filters water um mm -hmm. it works for me and uh light uh or uv filtering is also a great option a little bit more expensive though um it's it's for water and for food um uh, so i'll um take at least like um uh, let's say like I'm, I'm going for four days um and there's no uh res like access to food so i bring meal for um lunch and dinner for sure um and what i'm saying uh, what i mean by meal is uh dry fruit food uh dehydrated food okay um and um and then beside that um i have always like um uh, bars and um protein bars and energetic bars and such um and i start my day my uh, basically day having um a little bit late breakfast i drink my protein water um it's it's the way that works for my body i think like everyone should actually assess like how their body works mm -hmm. as well um and um i i make kind of like a mix of um uh, fruit and um you know um water and mix it with like some flavor that i always have with me um and eat that um and that gives me a good time um until until lunch and during that time believe it or not works for me i have always cheese if you're not vegan <laughs> and i have um um nuts on my other pocket and i have always like those like eating on the way <laughs> and i never get hungry until lunch um and dry fruit is very, very, very important for my body. Hopefully, like, could work for uh, others as well. Um, it provides you a lot of, like, you know, um, energy um, and basically feel you. Um, I, uh, there are some snacks that I take with me that if, if I know, like, that they are, um, um, yeah, so, like, um, dates um it's providing a lot of sugar and energy mm -hmm. um, and that fills your body as well um so the combination of then just like to recap it um the combination of dehydrated food uh nuts um powder uh, protein powder and um bars basically um i like that it's nice and simple we're not adding like a ton of you know, super fancy camp meals or anything like that. Seems like this is like pretty reasonable. You know, that's great to have like those options. They're very uh, tasty, but they're also very and expensive. And very heavy. I mean, there was time that I, I learned that like there were times that I, I wanted to take like some fruits with me, like bananas and oranges and like, uh, well, I forgot to tell you that a big part of my um, trip is uh, peanut butter. I love peanut butter um, and uh, that also is very helpful. So 
um yeah and um i think like that uh that the these uh, these food that i'm taking with me they're not um um smelly so i'll mm-hmm. make that safe and then um i always put all the trashes also <laughs> in the separate uh bag and uh carry them with me um mm-hmm. you also mentioned a stove do you do like coffee in the morning or tea or why bring the stove I do, uh, i'm i'm a i'm a tea person um and um and so I have like always like tea pa- bags with me. So I um I do that uh, in the mornings, and um, uh, sometimes um I take um honey. So I like just mix uh, tea and honey. Um, nice. Yeah, I like it. Now, what does what does the bike packing day look like? Are you one of those people that will ride for like fourteen hours and then basically just sleep and like get back on the bike, or do you? sit and enjoy nature are you like hiking around finding water to splash in what's your what's your style um so i'm um i'm a big fan of take advantage of where you are and where you're riding this is not you're not like doing this again and again and again that's most likely that you're doing it once or maybe twice so Mm -hmm. um I um, usually want to make sure that I have like that at least 70 to 80 kilometers in um, just uh, if, if I, ha- if I have to be back um, and I have a limit limitation, like time limit mm-hmm. space. Um, Cause that's a big part of it. Um, but um, that happens sometimes like uh, in Yokan, I just like rode like 50 kilometers and I was like, this is so beautiful. I can't, I can't really like, like just go. Mm-hmm. Um, I spend basically like an hour, two hours, like resting there, and I felt like mm, I should stay for the day. So, um, and that fifty kilometers could have been like more to help me with like feeling the distance, but. Um, I love that moment. So uh, I do not make a limit for myself of like do do like write all these kilometers and end it because um, like destination is not as important as the um, the experience mm-hmm. for me. Um, but yeah, so I had days that I rode hundred fifty kilometers. There were days that I just rode fifty kilometers. Hmm. I love that. No, I think that's that's like the beauty of bikepacking is that you can make those decisions in the moment of like, oh, you know, I should stop here for a while. This seems like a good idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the the last thing I really wanted to to touch on with you is, uh, you know, we have this this quote from you where you're talking about uh, you say I ride for those women who cannot. So I mean, is that still something you think about? You know, during all of these trips. Yeah, well, you know, that's a big part of my life. So there are things that you cannot, um, like, kind of put them away. There's no way you can do it because your daily basis, like, in daily basis, you're thrown back to it. Uh, I have still friends and family in Iran, right? So, um, and now I just want to mention that um, uh, these days, like, women or female writers or uh, cyclists are getting braver and braver and braver and they made it possible um to to basically uh, ride it's just so different from the time that i was there still risk still stake but um this generation is like braver so though um um there are people uh, in Iran, like female female uh, cyclists, they still they are suppressed and um, they can't do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I cannot not to think about it because I experienced how how that means. Like your, um, how does that mean to limit my? body and physic because of society because of like limitation that the system provides 
Um, and that unfortunately sometimes, um, or most of the time, not sometimes, but most of the time, um, uh, make me feel maybe even I, I do not wow I, maybe I, I'm not even deserved that's like uh, you know this this freedom when when my uh, fellow friends are uh, dealing and struggling still in in Iran and um, that's kind of a big challenge for me um, especially at, like these days um, keep thinking that um, is there anything I can help is there anything I can do? Um, yeah, it's it's not easy, definitely. No, no, and it's it's such an interesting thing, though. The idea of like because they can't do this, like, is it like wrong or like you know should I not like should I not be able to or like feeling guilt for being able to do this thing? But you know, obviously, you know, like it's you not doing it wouldn't have any like benefit, right? Like I think you you being out there, you being visible is part of that like brave, like, you know, your story from even, you know, your teen years in Iran. And now like that bravery is, you know, aiding the bravery of the the women over there that are riding now. So, I mean, I think you you pretty much need to keep riding. Yeah, you know, I, I don't have any option. Like, um, I know like sometimes I would, um encounter people they're like oh you're from iran and you ride and you bike pack and um so i have to like explain it that um the complexity of um where i live uh lived for years um is sometimes confusing for people and fair enough but um me like writing basically spreading the word um that what women in Iran are capable of um, and what that means um, to be a female bikepacker that comes from that type of bike background. Mm -hmm. It's not only the concept of writing, it's, it's basically um, healing yourself, heal, you know, like going through the past and like um, treating, like it, it's a big treatment for me. Right. And for sure, for any other, um, um, people that come from post-traumatic um, stress disorder and such. So um, it's, yeah. So yeah, I, I keep, I keep writing. Mm -hmm. I, I write to them and they know, they know uh, that uh, I, I remember um, them when I'm writing. So. Mm -hmm. oh. I love it. And I love, you know, everything that you're sharing as well. So before we before we wrap this up, maybe let everyone know where they can find you on Instagram so they can also follow along with your adventures and get inspired by you. Yeah. Um, yeah, they can follow me on uh, Instagram. Uh, my Instagram is Art uh, Ventry with like it's a double E at the end. Um and they can follow me and you know come along <laughs> i love it i love it well mashid thank you so much for for chatting about all of this and hopefully we'll hopefully you'll do some bikepacking over in ontario or we'll be out on the west coast at some point we can get out for a ride yes of course i'll be there um sometimes uh during the summer so <laughs> oh definitely keep me posted that would be Awesome. <laughs> well, you have a place to stay in Collingwood if you need a, a break from bears and bugs. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. If you want to hear more training, racing, and endurance sport advice, make sure you subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating and review. You can also subscribe to our newsletter at consummateathlete.com for a weekly dose of inspiration and advice straight to your inbox.